Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. I'm the founder, Jennifer Palmer. Today I am pleased to welcome Sean Tyler Foley as our guest host. This is Tyler's debut interview as a guest host with Online for Authors. Tyler is an author and speaker, and he has guested on several podcasts, but prefers to be a guest host instead of managing a podcast of his own. Thank you, Tyler, for agreeing to guest host for us. Tyler's guest has a passion for the creative process that has led him to develop programs that empower individuals to express themselves through AI-enhanced storytelling. He's written award-winning books, taught story workshops to over 15,000 participants. He's guest lectured at numerous universities, including John Hopkins, Columbia, and NYU. His most recent book, Chat GPT Simplified, offers non-tech professionals a unique approach to unlocking the incredible potential of AI. Welcome to Online for Authors. I am your guest host, Tyler Foley, taking over the mic. And today I'm really excited. We have uh, somebody in my wheelhouse as a former actor, director, and producer myself. I've got an amazing guest with us just to give you an idea. His most recent credits are... Still a Michael J. Fox movie where he was the first assistant director. He's also worked on Grey's Anatomy, Guyver, This Is Us, Chicago Med. You name it, this man has been involved in it. So I am excited to have him on the show today. Everybody, please join me in welcoming Richard Rosser. Richard, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Very excited to be here. This is going to be fun. That is a pretty good list on IMDb when people search you. Well, thanks. Thank you, Tyler. Dive right in. Tell me more. I've been working in the TV and film business for 30 some odd years as a professional storyteller, if you will. As you mentioned, I've worked on uh, Grey's Anatomy, This Is Us. One show you didn't mention, which is uh, pretty paramount to my storytelling journey, is 24, the show 24, which was a huge, huge sort of zeitgeist show from 2001 to about 2010. And as a Canadian, I appreciate that you gave Kiefer Sutherland a, a starring role in that because uh, <laughs> I know he's, uh, we, we, I, I take him as our own. Obviously his father, Donald is Canadian and, and uh, Kiefer is, is dual citizen, but I, we, we claim him, we claim him. Well, of course you do, of course. It's interesting you mentioned Kiefer uh, because when we first started, 24. I had worked with the production manager and producer uh, on several other shows. They called me and they said, all right, we're, we're gearing up for a show. We want you to come on and work on it. It's uh, this weird show. It's called 24. And it's 24 episodes because each episode is an hour in the day. And I said, okay, sounds interesting. And then they said, all right. It, and, and it takes place in real time. Now, it's not a reality show, but it takes place in real time. And I said, real time? And he said, yeah, unfortunately, we can't cut back and, you know, we can't skip time. We have to follow the clock in, in the hour. I said, all right, well, sounds interesting. And uh, who's in it? And they said, Kiefer Sutherland. Now, at that point in time, Kiefer had quit the acting business and he was on the rodeo circuit. And he was, I don't know what all he was doing. He was roping and riding and, and doing barrel racing and all sorts of crazy, crazy cowboy stuff in the rodeo. And... And the folks at Fox had gone out to him and said, hey, do you want to do this TV show? And at that point in time, it was just a concept. It wasn't what it became. And so everyone was surprised to hear Kiefer Sutherland's, he's 
Now he's coming back to acting from the rodeo business. And the rest, as they say, is is history. A good snag, too, because he is, I mean, a consummate professional. And I mean, I, I love, love, love his body of work. Stand by me. To this day, Kiefer Sutherland yeah, always be snake to me. So yes. to have a project worth coming back to, like, that's the other thing. I, I know as an actor who has retired uh, myself, or semi-retired we're always it's kind of like the mob right the business <laughs> you try to leave right. and then it sucks you right back in but i know like <laughs> you you're not going to do it for just any project you're you're going to really want to have something that entices you and as you said he moved on to the rodeo i think after cowboy up i think he kind of got the taste and and yeah. really wanted to do it Kudos to putting together a project like that. What uh, was then some of the challenges you faced? I know that you had an hour, but it was really 42 minutes. It is really interesting because at one point we were sitting in a production meeting and the writer had written, okay, the helicopter flies in, lands on the roof. Then they go down through the stairwell and end up in the, uh, in the infirmary or whatever. And we said, well, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't flow like that. We can cut to the, from the roof, but there's, a lot of shoe leather that you'd, you'd have to go through to get to the infirmary. And he said, okay, uh, maybe we'll cut away to the bad guys and then cut back, right? And so we always had to think in terms of the real-time element, which is very different from most filmmaking. Most filmmaking, you say, okay, the character gets in the car and they start up and they head out on the freeway and you cut to them pulling in their destination. They pull right in front of the building, of course, movie parking, right? Or TV parking, as we call it. And, and they walk in. You can't eclipse that, that time when the character's in the car in a show like 24 that's being presented in real time. So it, it really challenged us as filmmakers and creators to, to figure out how that works within the parameters of the action and, and, and I mean, many times the writers and, and we would use that real time to heighten the tension. And, uh, and then of course, for those of you who, who watch the show, you know that each, each commercial break, it would go dink, 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 and it would, sh it would show a sort of a freeze frame of each of the characters and where they were sort of frozen in a moment of anticipation or a, a little bit of a cliffhanger moment, which harkens back to the the westerns of the you know the, of the 40s and 50s when they would literally you know uh, a guy on a horse would go over a cliff cliffhanger and they'd say all right next week at the movie you'll find out what happened to tom mix or whoever the actor was and that was a literal cliffhanger the go beginnings ahead. of of the serial episodic style storytelling yes yeah. yeah and and look how far we've come from that in this, in this climate now, we've got uh, all the streaming services and most of them, when they drop episodes, they, they drop all the episodes to a, uh, to a show. Now, HBO, with a show like Succession, it decided to reel them out during the season. And if we go back to 24, 24 was the first show that people really binge watched. When we, when we started producing the show, we didn't know if we were going to be picked up for the, the back half of the season or not. We didn't know if it was going to be popular. And so they waited until they aired the first few episodes to see if it was going to hook folks. And of course it did. But then we got hired to come and do the back half of the, the first season. 
But after that first season, the people who had not heard about the show and watched it, they got a hold of the DVDs. And all of a sudden, you could either buy the 24-episode DVD pack or you could go to Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? Who who remembers? Do Blockbuster? you remember Blockbuster? I have been to Bend, Oregon. I have st I've got. I still use my Blockbuster card anytime I get to Bend. <laughs> That's great. So you could go to Blockbuster on a Friday evening, and each of the each of the packets would have I think four DVDs, eight episodes, and you'd rent that. And then, uh, and then we folks were coming in bleary eyed on Monday morning, having watched eight hours or 16 hours of 24 in, in one, one fell swoop. And so it was really, I mean, this was before streaming. It was before, uh, you know, the ability to just watch stuff on command. And so you had to, you had to actively participate in, in the binge itself. One of the things that I know being inside the business, and I would love for you to explain to the audience for us, is you mentioned that they didn't order the full 24 episodes from a uh, production and a writing standpoint. Uh, did you always know what the story arc was or did you write this, the initial story arc to just cover the 12 so that if it was only 12 instead of 24 it would still be a complete story. Was there kind of like that half story midline or did you guys know where that end goal was? It's, it's interesting you bring that up because <clears throat> the guys who created the show, Joel and Bob, they had conceptualized the first season would go from A to Z. A couple of the storylines, they ended up going through all of that material uh, in terms of the President Palmer's uh, storyline, they went through all of that material in the first 12 episodes without meaning to. It just uh, it just accelerated. They thought, oh, we can draw this out for a whole season of 24 episodes. But when we were filming, it, 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 there's an, an anxiousness and an anticipation. So, And uh, everything sped up. And we got to, I think, episode 11, and things started repeating themselves. And we were like, what, what the heck's going on here? And we realized uh, that, that, that they had come to the end of, uh, of what they had imagined would happen in that storyline. If the show had not been popular, it would have just stopped at 12 and sort of you know, disappeared. Uh, so they were, really weren't thinking, okay, how can we tie this up in 12 episodes? They, they imagined that the whole thing would continue for 24 episodes. So, so they weren't trying to plan for failure or anything like that. They were, they were really planning for, for success. Well, and I'm glad that they, they found the success. Topically right now, and because uh, it is one of the books that you have written, you know, we can, we can look at what writing in the room is like uh, from a Hollywood perspective on the fly. Right now, as at the time of our recording, and not necessarily at the time of the release, I'm hoping by the time this episode releases, okay. it's still not quite, <clears throat> But there is the writer's strike going on, and a lot of that fight is over the um, the new advances that AI and, and things like ChatGPT have brought to the table as far as writing. And I know for myself, having written a few books myself, that I love ChatGPT. I actually use another program that was, it's called Jasper, formerly Jarvis, that I found, mm -hmm. you know, does a similar uh, a thing. So talk to me a little bit more about that because you talk about the unlocking the power of communication and creativity through AI. And so let's 
because I, I know from the union standpoint where I'm getting the information, AI is evil, it's going to take your jobs. But I, I think there is the, the other side of that argument where we if we use it to augment, maybe we can get some, some back to some incredible storytelling that is engaging like 24 or The Sopranos, uh, where you can, you know, map out something maybe a little bit better. So tell me, what, what are your thoughts on, on AI enhanced storytelling? telling me and how that fits in. You know, I have a lot of friends who are writers and uh, they're out on the picket line as well as now SAGS, the Screen Actors Guild, is out on the picket line as well. And there's a definite fear about AI as well as there should be. AI is going to change many, many industries. From a writer's standpoint, though, I think there, there's a little bit of a difference between what we're hearing and what the possibilities are. And, and the biggest thing that the writers are afraid of is that the studios will just say, okay, you know what? Forget the writers. We're just going to plug in to ChatGPT and have it spit out a script. Well, first of all, ChatGPT is really not set up to do that yet. I mean, it may be in five years or 10 years, but it's ChatGPT is good at certain things and it's not good at others. It's, it's limited in terms of uh, in certain ways it has, a, it has, built-in bias, you know, it, it can be racial bias, it can be sexual bias, gender bias, it can be bias against certain types of the workforce or, or areas of the workforce. Those are, you know, they're working the kinks out of the bias, but also the limitations in terms of the knowledge base that ChatGPT has. Basically, the way ChatGPT works or any big, large language model is it's fed you know, billions and billions of pages, PDFs, master's theses, doctoral dissertations, books, uh, podcasts, uh, uh, transcriptions, etc. And then it takes that and figures out the best order for words based on that information that it was given. From a writer's standpoint, the biggest fear is that AI will in fact replace jobs. And that's a, that's a genuine fear. And I think that the writers and SAG, because the SAG, you know, SAG folks are, are thinking that uh, AI may end up replacing, certainly they're talking about using AI to create background players uh, visually. And, and so there are, some, there are some definite things that, that could be implemented that would affect lots of people and lots of jobs. Yeah. But if we think about any technology that's come along, the printing press, vaccines, you know, I mean, TV and uh, drugs and, uh, and, you know, with Oppenheimer coming out, uh, nuclear fusion, there are positives and there are negatives. And in the, in the case of AI and ChatGPT, I think that the positives far outweigh the negatives in terms of helping us be more creative and helping us boost productivity and efficiency. ChatGPT basically harnesses computer power to do things very well, very quickly, and very efficiently. And so I look at, I look at ChatGPT in specific and AI in general as a tool, just like a mathematician or an engineer uses a calculator or a high-end computer program that enables them to figure out how to put a rocket up into space instead of having to just use a pad of paper and a pencil. So for me, I look at uh, I look at ChatGPT really through a storyteller's eyes or lens, and it's amazing as a as a brainstorming tool, outlining tool. Now, when you talk about research, 
it's a little bit of a, a sticky wicket because the the you know the old computer analogy garbage in garbage out well you end up with the same scenario with chat gpt it's a computer program so if you end up with 80 percent of the information about something you're writing about is correct but 20 percent is conspiracy theories or it's uh, misinformation they're trying to figure out how to weed that information out and figure out how the percentages in terms of the statistics of 80 versus 20, how that overwhelms the information that is actually wrong. So I might, I might uh, enter a prompt and get something you know, generated by ChatGPT that has wrong information. In fact, there was, a, uh, there was an attorney who went in front of a judge and to uh, help his defense, he used several court cases that turned out to not exist. <laughs> so it takes a little bit of work yeah. to make sure. Yeah, that I was following that. It takes a little bit of work to make sure that what you're using is correct, right? And so, I mean, from a medical standpoint or a financial standpoint, I certainly wouldn't use ChatGPT if there was life or death or uh, you know anything anything really really important on the line. A court case for a defendant who's up against some sort of a murder trial or something like that. What ChatGPT affords us is the ability to brainstorm with, you know, when I, when I sit down with ChatGPT and I'm working to brainstorm a project or a workshop or a seminar, because I do a lot of consulting, is like having a, a philosopher and a scientist and a writer and a composer in the room with me, because it can help me think outside the box in terms of what I'm trying to communicate and how I can approach that. Well, I think one of the great advantages of ChatGPT is that it, as you said, it's a tool that can be used or AI in general, any of the AI writing tools can be used to uh, rapidly generate content. And I think what people forget and what I'm hoping that this strike works out is that you still need an end user. You need somebody to vet the information. And I think that it actually creates an amazing uh, ability for you to to stretch your content creation. So I, I, as a writer, I actually use it a lot to help augment and kickstart. Like if I'm right, it helps me get over the writer's block because I get yeah. to a sentence and I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. And all of a sudden control J on Jarvis or just enter on chat GPT. You've got the prompt. And now you're going to get a stream of stuff that you can go through and go, yeah, I like that. Or no, that doesn't work. But at least it exactly. pushes you beyond that, that boundary. I know that that's how I use it for creativity because we are authors on this podcast. Sure. Uh, as an author, what, what would be some tips to use some of these tools to, to help get past that writer's block? Well, that, that's a great point, Tyler. The fact that <clears throat> the brainstorming can really help get you past that writer's block, get you started. I've figured out how to use ChatGPT in various ways. One of the ways I use it is I'll start off with a sentence. Well, say for instance, someone's a freelance writer, right? And they want to find out how they can get more clients. Well, you can type in, I'm a freelance writer. And how can I get more clients for doing blog posts or financial writing or whatever, you know, whatever kind of writing. And you can just enter that in and all of a sudden, and you can tell it to, to return the response in bullet points. 
it will give you bullet points of how you can approach your search for new clients and new, new possibilities. It's an incredible brainstorming tool or outlining tool that can help us all really be more creative. I think there are a lot of people who think that AI is going to reduce us all to robots, right? And, and that all of our communication is just going to end up turning into mush. So here, here's how that would happen. So Tyler, you, you have a prompt and you say, oh my gosh, I just used this prompt to write uh, a blog post. And you send it to me and say, Richard, you, you can use it. It's no problem. And, and I use it and then I hand it off to a couple of friends and then they hand it off to a couple of friends. Now we've got 50 some odd people who are using the same prompt. If we all use that same prompt, yes, even though we may be writing different blog posts or about different subjects, the blog posts are going to have the same feel and flavor. They're going to feel very similar. However, if when you send me this, this prompt that you've created and I say, all right, well, I'm going to use this prompt, but I'm going to customize it. I'm going to tweak it so that it reflects my personality. I'm going to take that prompt and I'm going to give a couple of extra entries, which is maybe I want to infuse the writing with a certain energy, or I want to infuse the writing with, with a sense of humor and maybe some pop culture references. Well, all of a sudden, those two different uh, blog posts that you wrote and then I wrote are going to be incredibly different. They're going to be divergent because I've customized the uh, prompt to question and generate a response. Ultimately, ChatGPT can help heighten or amplify someone's creativity or individualism. If you think about it, that's what tools have done, whether it's a paintbrush or it's a tablet or a computer keyboard or a computer program, that's really what tools allow us to do every step of the way. Whether it's a digital workstation, if you're a musician and you can edit, not have to worry about playing on an instrument and recording in and then physically splicing tape. It, it, it makes our lives easier and boosts our productivity, allowing us to not have to think about the actual technology itself necessarily. And then we can really concentrate on what's important, which is the actual thing that we're creating. That leads me to another question that I have for you. You'd alluded to the fact that how the AI system is prompted will determine the output. Garbage in, garbage out, quality in, quality out. If you could give a one word of advice to, to somebody who's just starting out using some of these AI right. tools, what are some, what are some uh, tips you would give for better prompts? Well, I, I can't necessarily give just one word, but I can give two words. Yes. Don't quit. So let, let's consider how, the, how this works. So when, when I type a prompt or a question into ChatGPT and I could say, uh, you know, uh, generate a, a short story, 50 words or so about finding a lost dog and it spits it back and it's like kind of crappy, right? But then what I need to do is because this, because ChatGPT is an iterative process or using it is an iterative process, I'm going to tweak that prompt and say, okay, now write that little short story in the, in the, in the style of an author that I like, or I may input part of my writing as an example and say, write the short story again, based on my style of writing which is gonna be different from your style of writing. And again, we're going in and we're customizing the prompt, we're tweaking the prompt so that it will really better reflect our voice. That's what's really 
needed in this case is for people to experiment with it. I mean, you know, if you think about the very basics of doing something, say, for instance, riding a bike. Well, you know, when you're a kid, you didn't just hop on a bike and ride down the street. I mean, maybe every once in a while you get a kid who does that. You start, you, you run with it and you hop on or you've got training wheels or you have a parent push you and they stand next to you and run with you. And, and you get used to feeling that sense of balance and what it's like to pedal. And, you know, that whole, you know, okay, you start with the right foot and the pedal's up and you push down and it gets you started. It's all just like working with ChatGPT or any technology like this. There's a, there's a certain learning curve. The more that folks can experiment with this technology and work on, I mean, one of the first things I did, I, I, the very first thing I did was I went in and I said, okay, write a short story about finding a lost dog. That's, that was my experimentation. And it returned a 50 or 60 word uh, response. And I said, okay, now write it like Edgar Allan Poe and write it like Shakespeare and Hemingway and J.K. Rowling. And I was playing around with this, seeing how it would work. And then I said, you know, now Hunter S. Thompson, you know, the guy who's waiting through alligators in the, in the lobby. <laughs> oh, lobby. I know Hunter S. Thompson very well. Yeah. And, and so because so there's it, it was, everywhere. It, yes, exactly. It was very interesting seeing how this, seeing how this technology responded to my requests. The listeners or viewers, they can explore and experiment in any way, shape or form. If they, if they have a project that they're starting to work on, they can go in and just start, you know, start experimenting with that project, brainstorming or outlining. It's nice to start off with something that you aren't invested in, in, term, in terms of having to be productive immediately. If you're having to be productive immediately, then you may get really frustrated because it's ChatGPT or whatever, again, you may be using Jasper or Bing or Bard, but whatever generative AI technology you're using, your frustration factor may outlive your, uh, or, or beat to the punch of, of the actual ability to return a response the way you feel that it needs to be returned. This episode is sponsored by Visibility Podcasts. Connect with Visibility Pod about visibility strategy coaching, podcast tours, podcast production, platform building, content creation, and distribution. Your online presence matters. Mention this author interview to receive a discount. Get the help you need today. Email visibilitypodcasts at gmail.com. That's V-I-S-I-B-I-L-I-T-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. I have to say that <clears throat> ChatGPT has gotten better and better. I've been using it since uh, roughly since January. And I've seen all sorts of guardrails go up and it get better at returning responses based on uh, a less intense iterative process of figuring out the actual prompt itself. Does that make sense? It does. I actually played this experiment last week because mm -hmm. I use both. Uh, I, I, as I had said, I, you know, I invested in Jasper initially uh, a while ago and they had a, a really good promo on. And then when chat GPT came along and it was open source, I was like, right. well, there, I just, now I want to make sure that I'm getting my money's worth. So that's why I'm a staunch user uh, of Jasper. My wife and I are, have uh, vacation time together, which almost never happens. And right. It's right around <laughs> my daughter's and mine's birthday. And we wanted to, instead of going on like a vacation where we're flying somewhere, we decided to do a road trip. Mm. And I used both the prompt create an eight day road trip starting in Calgary, Alberta, where I live, going through Montana, 
Idaho, Washington, and then British Columbia returning back to Calgary with stops at least every four hours at a point of interest mm. that would be entertaining for an eight-year-old girl interested in the arts and science. And wow, it spit out one of the most detailed itineraries I have ever seen in my entire life. And then I entered that same prompt into uh, Jasper. So I had um, ChatGPT run it and I had mm -hmm. Jasper run it. And what was interesting was the crossover where they were similar and the divergence where they got different. And what I found interesting too was ChatGPT's was very much an itinerary. Stop by stop by stop by stop where Jasper read more like um, like a short story. Like mm. meander through these woods and take in the scenic vistas and then go like it was more of a sales brochure. It right. still gave me interesting things. But what was really cool was when I combined the two of all the stuff that I said and I said, now suggest um, alternatives based on this. And then it went through and it created a whole new itinerary. But based on the prompts that was from the initial two, it came out with what is probably going to be the greatest vacation my wife and I have ever taken. Oh, it you was, haven't taken the vacation yet. We have not taken it yet, but we we using it. We like I had to vet it. Right. Does this place actually exist? Right. <laughs> or <laughs> is it. this is this uh, chat GPT made up this? But um, we we actually went through and we vetted it and and found these places and, and found the hotels and the campgrounds that we're going to stay at. And it's we're so excited about it. And so, as again, to to your book, finding that creativity in it, I think this is where people need to recognize the advantages of these tools that are out there, because for us, it is now going to literally create memories that are irreplaceable just by, you know, getting us out of our because we didn't know where to go. And of course, based not. on its suggestions, now we have this beautiful family vacation planned. Oh, that's fantastic, Tyler. And, and you're right. And so my book is called Chat GPT Simplified. Now, full disclosure, I am not a programmer. I'm not a coder. I'm fairly technically minded. We work with tons of special effects and digital effects and cameras. Uh, so I'm, I'm fairly technically minded, but I'm not an in the weeds uh, coding kind of guy. So my approach to AI and ChatGPT is really through a storyteller's lens. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I wrote my book. I knew that if I'm questioning uh, the possibilities for this technology from a storyteller standpoint or a creator standpoint, then there must be all, all sorts of other folks who are doing the same thing. And folks who really don't want to get caught up in the technical jargon that a programmer or coder or project manager, technical project manager would get caught up in. And, and we talked about AI enhanced storytelling. Well, that's really what I view this process as. If you will, Tyler, you have an AI enhanced itinerary, right? I mean, you, you didn't just say, hey, take me on a trip. You yeah. said, take me on a trip to Calgary, through Montana, through Idaho. I mean, you had some parameters and just like you did with that, I very often have an idea for a workshop or a script or a, or a, a some sort of a breakout session that I want to uh, use ChatGPT to help me brainstorm and create. And so, for instance, in one of my workshops, I have a breakout session and the workshop itself is about 
the translating technical information into an actual story type experience. Because a lot of folks who are very technically minded, you have coders, again, scientists uh, who are presenting information, but they're used to presenting the information in very, very technical jargon or legalese or medical jargon. And so it's helpful for those folks to see a transformation from technical information to an actual experience. And so what I did was I went in and I asked ChatGPT to create a technical description. And in this case, I used Beethoven's fifth. And so it says something like, and it's only, you know, it's 50 or 60 words, but it says something like, this is a, a symphony for a large orchestra set in four parts. The first part is a scherzo in A flat minor with a re repeating motif. Well, by the time I get to that point, you know, half the half of the workshop is snoring. Yeah. And I jokingly say, hey, everyone, I've got I've got an extra ticket to go see this performance tonight. Who wants to go? And no hands raised crickets. Right. And I say, well, why? Well, what's going on? Everyone says it's boring. It sounds I can't even understand an A flat minor or A share. You know, I don't even understand what all that is. And so then I. I created, and again, I, I created a first version of an experience, and then I put it through ChatGPT to enhance it. And what we end up with is, I read a 50 or 60 word experience-based piece that says, I sat in the, uh, in the concert hall, and all of a sudden, four notes sounded from the symphony, bum, 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 and then they sounded again. And then it took off into this light, airy section, and it keeps going on that, describing the symphony in terms that everyone can understand and really sort of experience, then it ends up with, and the audience rose to their feet and gave a standing ovation for a minute or two after the, after the symphony was finished. And then I say, okay, I have this extra ticket. Who wants to go with me tonight? And every single hand in the room raises. And I say, okay, well, what's the difference between the previous version and this version? I felt like I was there with you in the concert hall, experiencing the symphony, the way that you talked about it, the way that you vocalized the symphony, and the way that you described what was happening both on stage and in the, in the seats around, around where you were. And the first example is so caught up in that technical jargon that it's virtually impossible for anyone to understand or decipher unless they have a real high level of, uh, of experience or knowledge in musical composition. And even then, all they would do is get it. They wouldn't, they still wouldn't have that connection. That's right, that's right. And, and so going back to what you and ChatGPT and Jasper came up with for this vacation, it sounds very similar, right? I mean, you could have said, uh, you know, very simply, just do be vacation. Well, it would say, all right, there are 63 miles on day one or, you know, 120 miles between this town and this town. And this town is 15,000 people and this town is 30. And who cares, right? Yeah. But what, what Jasper, it sounds, sent back to you or spit out was, okay, you're going to go and there's this really cool hiking spot. And there's a, it's right next to a campground. So you can set up your tent or your campsite and then you can go out on this hike. And then when you come back, Boom, you're right there next to this little pond. Or, so it sounds like it was creating a much more experiential story-based narrative than, than you would typically get from something that is technically minded, like a computer program, yeah. which is part of the amazing possibility 
with these large language models. Well, and I think what the, the key point that, that you have highlighted very well over the course of this conversation is that this tool is only as good as the prompts that it's given. And it, there is a learning curve to it, but it's it's a fun learning curve. Like I know mm -hmm. that I've enjoyed it because I've I've started to understand where the quirks are. If you only if you only give it this much information, it doesn't have a lot to play with. The more detailed you can give it, the more it has to work with, the more it has to play. It's very similar to you know we'd say give them line right, like you, you let mm -hmm. that fish run with it for a bit before you reel it back in. Like you you really want to make sure that that the AI has has something to run with and, and go with. So I, I love that you took the time to put it together in the book. As we speak of the book, other than buying your book in bulk, Richard, what, what would, how do people get your book? My website is AIexplained.ai. That's AIexplained.ai. Up at the very top, there's a link to my book on Amazon. And then there's actually a free book. Uh, it's Chad GPT Case Studies. Because I find that it's very helpful when I'm looking at something or researching something, learning something, it's very helpful to see or hear about how other people have implemented, again, whether it's a, a program or an app or, or, uh, or a tool, it's interesting to see how other people have in implemented that tool in their own way. And then I can take that and use that as a template for how I'm going to use the tool or program or process. And is the dog story one of the one of the case studies? No, it's it's in it's in my book, Chat GPT Simplified, but it's not actually in the in the case studies book. Okay. But I, you brought up an interesting point. One of the things that I did was chapter four of Chat GPT Simplified, my main book, is um, it's all about using Chat GPT to help with personal and professional growth. And as I was thinking about that journey. I thought, well, you know, how can I, it, it, I mean, it's almost like a journey through this wonderland of chat GPT. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's really akin to Alice going down the rabbit hole and meeting up with the Cheshire cat and the Mad Hatter and the Red Queen. And so what I did was I used chat GPT to enhance that chapter by using examples from Alice in Wonderland and how those examples are very similar to our journey using this new technology for personal and professional growth as we go on this journey through this, essentially through this wonderland of technology. And so that whole chapter is, it, it interweaves Alice's story and our story or, or journey of how to use this technology to, uh, to better ourselves, figure out our strengths and weaknesses, and then how to apply those in uh, in a career or or a work situation, so we uh, end up doing better. So not only were you using this technology as an experiment and writing about the technology, but then you got really meta. You use the technology to help you write the book to explain the technology. I think that's fantastic. How if you could give an estimate, and I'm not going to hold you to it, but how much of the book do you feel was created? Uh, just by AI, like how, what percentage do you feel was probably done the AI and you just went over it and went, yeah, no, that is, that's perfect. Huh. Um, probably 20%. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, one of the issues with writing a book itself is that ChatGPT 
at least currently, can only spit out a certain amount of information. You know, you can't say, hey, write a book about this with the chapters and it, it won't spit out a 30,000 word book. It'll spit out, you know, 2000 words, pretty much max. Um, and you, what you have to do is break the, each chapter down into sections. And so you end up with 2000 words or 2000 or 500, you know. And, and so I did a lot of editing and a lot of stitching together and a lot of interior editing of the concepts and generated responses. Now, I, I, would, I would like to say that one of the coolest meta things about ChatGPT is ChatGPT is its own instruction manual. And, and what I mean by that is when you get stuck, because you will get stuck, when you get stuck, I don't say if you get stuck, when you get stuck, and you feel like, okay, I, I'm not quite sure. You, you, you've got a prompt that just doesn't seem to be working or you're getting responses that just don't seem to contain what you want. You can always type, hey, ChatGPT, help me with X. Help me with this. Help me create a better prompt. What, are, what's, what is a way of creating a prompt that will get a better, elicit a better response? And so you can use ChatGPT to help you use ChatGPT. That makes sense? Yep. Please. Oh, yeah. And another thing is I very often, especially if I'm doing research type work, if I ask for some case studies, I'll say, okay, are these case studies real? And even though the prompt that I created was, you know, list five case studies that are real, real life people, real life companies, name the company uh, and name the, the way that they use this technology, it'll come back and create you know, some weird, weird company and weird company name. And I'll just think, you know, that doesn't sound right. And I'll ask it, hey, is this real? And it says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you wanted a real company when that was in the original prompt, right? So yeah. it, again, you have to be, you got to be on your toes. It's not like you're going to type in one prompt and end up spitting out a 30,000 page book that's ready to go, slap on a cover and, and you're good to go. And it shouldn't be that way, right? No. Uh, but what it ultimately does, what this technology does is it allows me to be more creative in ways that I never imagined. Yeah. And again, just like you passing the prompt on to me and me passing the prompt on to someone else, it allows us to really use this technology as a tool to emphasize our creativity and really amplify the message that we want to, to get across to folks. I view it truly as a tool as opposed to, it, it's a means to an end as opposed to the end itself. I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because that is kind of been the stance that I've had for a while on a lot of different of these AI tools that are out there and available, not just for writing. Mm -hmm. And I keep it trying to explain, you know, because I do have some family members who feel that the computers are going to take over and that Skynet is real and we yeah. are all doomed. <laughs> and I keep trying to explain that they're only as good as the programming. And even if you get something that is eerily mimicking human behavior, it is only mimicking based on incredible levels of programming. Mm -hmm. And to do that one specific thing that it's mimicking. So you could have chat GPT have a conversation with you in real time that sounds eerily human, but it can't turn around and cook you an omelet. Correct. 
Exactly. And I, I hope everybody who's listening to this, uh, particularly those of uh, our sphere of influence in the entertainment industry, recognize that, as you had said, you know, you have this book, you had this tool that writes things. Mm-hmm. And yet 80% of that book is still yours. And you use that, that additional 20% to tie concepts together or to, you know, unblock writers block or, or find that creativity right. within it. And I think that's, that's really critical for people to remember. I know because I've tried getting chat GPT to write a script. I had a musical that I was producing and I wanted it to streamline and edit the story and it failed <laughs> miserably because right. it didn't understand yes. the formatting. So, well, you know, you, you still need to, to find those prompts within it. And one other thing to mention, which is of paramount importance is the fact that the human in this equation is still the critical thinker. We are, we are the arbiters of what is good and bad and what works within the parameters of, of what we're looking to present. Again, whether it's a blog post or a movie script or a, a manuscript for a, for, a, uh, for a book, we are ultimately the purveyors of that concept. While I was, while I was working on this book, I would you know, put in a prompt for a certain section and it would come back and I would read through it and, it and it wouldn't have any humor whatsoever, even though my prompt specifically stated I wanted humor based on, you know, several of my favorite comedians or uh, writers. And so I would have to go back in and re-enter the prompt in a, a little bit different way. Now, this is going back, you know, two or three or four months now. So things have updated, but also Chad GPT, all the, all the text-based uh, generative AI, they learn from their mistakes. And if we let them know what their mistakes are, then it will get better over time in terms of generating responses that I feel work within my writing style or what I'm trying to convey. The point being that for writers in, in, in the WGA and actors in SAG, they should take a little bit of comfort in the fact that they are really the masters of their craft. Now where the system potentially breaks down is when other people want to save money and take a shortcut and ultimately end up with a product that may be substandard ultimately because, uh, because a writer wasn't involved all the way through. And, And I think that's what really, that's really at issue with the writers guild and the screen actors guild and how they're approaching this is they want to ensure that writers and actors are given the chance to do their craft to perform yeah. or write and uh and and not just cut these folks out to save a buck when the performance or the material is going to be much better when there's a human involved i want to dispel those fears because uh, as somebody who has you know and and i'm in a really unique position in that i am an actor i am part of the union i i am involved and i've been on both sides of the camera i've i've been a director i've been a producer and uh, stage and film and television so i i've been on both both ends of it and as somebody who has uh been using these tools uh very to streamline my processes uh Mm -hmm. i i want the 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 actors and and the writers to know that ultimately you still need to have the human input 
And uh, I think it's fantastic that your book has come out being in the industry, pointing out the, the ways that it can unlock the creativity. So I just I want to say thank you for putting the work out. So again, one more time, this is for you to be able to drop it. The, the website is AI explained.ai. AI explained.ai. Richard, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. For uh, And to all of the listeners, I hope that was fun for you. I hope uh, I was a different flavor than you're usually getting with Jennifer. So I appreciate you guys allowing me to be a guest host today. Richard, thank you for this opportunity to chat with you. If you haven't done it already, listeners, remember to give Jennifer a five-star review. Five-star reviews and tell us why. What did you like about the show? Was it this show? What is a favorite guest that you have? What was a takeaway that you had from today? What was something that Richard said that really stuck with you? If you can let Jennifer know that way she can get more guests on that are as amazing and as fantastic as Richard is. Richard Rosser, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you, uh, thank you to the listeners for tuning in. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, Visibility Pod for all your services and management of our podcast.